Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Through seasons of tragedy and triumph, the gospel has been strong and steadfast and will remain so even as the end times draw near. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up his series, Where Do We Go From Here?, with some ways you can draw on and share the gospel during this time. With the conclusion of his message, the final prophecy, the triumph of the gospel, here's David. And thank you for joining us for the Friday edition of Turning Point. We have had one whole month of studying Where Do We Go From Here?, Tomorrow's Prophecies, Today's Problems. And uh, this has been a month of encouragement, instruction. We've gained new knowledge. We've gained new hope. We've gained new confidence and strength. We know that while the world is pretty mixed up right now, God is not mixed up, and he knows exactly what's going on. He's out in front. He's bringing us along uh, if we follow him in his word. And uh, we have much to be grateful for as we uh, live our lives here at this particular time in history. Today, we're going to finish up what we started yesterday, the triumph of the gospel, the final prophecy. Let me just remind you again that there are materials available to help you um, remember this series and reuse it and share it with others. The book that we have been offering for a gift of any size is available. When you send your gift, be sure to ask for your copy of the book, Where Do We Go From Here? There's a study guide, Where Do We Go From Here? There's a CD and a DVD package that you can get for this so you can listen, watch, study, read. Uh, and these resources are available from davidjeremiah.org. If you go there, you'll find them. If you're a small group a study leader, this is a great great curriculum to spend a few weeks on, and you can get the study guides for your participants. You can get the book and the CD package for yourself. You can get it going with this material and have a great time of study. I encourage you to do it. We won't be talking about this too much more because we're running out of time. We're running out of series, and we're running uh, with great anticipation for the things that are before us. Let me just remind you once more at the beginning of this program that in March of 2024, we are going to Israel, and we're going to walk the places where Jesus walked, see the things that we've read about in the Bible, and experience the aura of being in the city that God calls his own city. It's an amazing experience. If you haven't had it, I hope you will join us uh, in March. And if you have gone, you'll want to go again. I'm trying to encourage you not to wait too long because we're already, without any previous public announcement, beginning to get reservations for Israel. It's going to be a great time, and we hope you will be with us. Well, let's finish up this series with The Triumph of the Gospel, Part 2. There's nothing that God has promised to bless like the local church. If you listen to me on the radio, you know every Friday I tell people, go to church. Don't stay home and watch us on television. Go to church because the church is what God has promised. He says the gates of hell 
will not prevail against the local church. How many of you know the gates of hell are at work today? But the church of Jesus Christ has the promise that it will stand strong. So the message of the gospel is transforming. And the work of the gospel is expanding. And the followers of the gospel are maturing. And the author of the gospel, oh, the author of the gospel is preeminent. One more thing we must remember, and that the author of the gospel is our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Colossians 1 describe that. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Richard Chin is the national director of the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students. He has a profound ministry with young people on multiple continents. But it always wasn't that way. Back in the early part of July in 1983, Chin was a student whose Christian experience was barely existent. One day while attending a conference, he heard the speaker ask one question. Here was the question. Is Jesus number one? in your life. He knew he was a good number two or three, but he was not number one. Sometime that week, he said, I joyfully received Jesus as my Lord, and I moved him up from number three to number one. And he began to study his Bible, and he was drawn to the book of Colossians, and he was so infected by this book, he memorized the book. And he was amazed at the triumphant picture of Christ found in its pages. As we see Jesus more clearly, men and women, the gospel gets bigger and bigger in our hearts. His death becomes more wonderful. His resurrection becomes more astonishing. Sin becomes more disgusting, and the devil seems more evil. The restoring work of the Spirit gets mightier. The global extent of the gospel becomes more important. And the connection between everything in the Bible becomes clearer. Our yearning for eternity becomes greater, and the love of God becomes more delightful in our lives. When you put Jesus number one, everything else starts to get in its right place. Jesus is preeminent in everything, wrote Chin. He rules everything in this creation, and he rules everything in the age to come. The question that changed Richard Chin's life is profoundly important now. Is Jesus truly preeminent in your life? Is he number one? If he's a good two or three, there will be nothing victorious about your experience. Someone said a long time ago, only in the Christian life does surrender bring victory. (laughs) So surrender your life to Christ. Make sure he's number one. That's going to be more important as we move through these days that are in front of us. And then the theme of the gospel is energizing. Another triumphal note in Colossians sounds like a blast from the trumpet. Here it is. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a slogan. What a motto. Taken together, this is the triumph of the gospel, and you can make it your own. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The moment we put Christ as our Savior, he comes through his spirit to live and reign within us. And one day we're going to see him face to face. One day soon we'll literally walk and talk with him as the disciples did long ago. We will share his glory and have a part in his inheritance, reigning with him over the new heavens and the new earth. 
The New Living Translation says it this way, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So what does this mean, and where do we go from here? What do we take away from this that we can unpack in our lives every day? If the gospel is the preeminent, triumphant message, if it triumphs over everything else, if there's no problem that we face in our culture today that is not overwhelmed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we believe that's true, and the Bible says it's true, so what do we do now? How do we respond to that as followers of Christ? Well, first of all, let me suggest that we preach the gospel with our lips. We must keep preaching Christ. We must keep holding the cross up. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, said Paul, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I don't know if you know this, but Paul was a Renaissance man in many respects. There wasn't anything that Paul couldn't do. He was a great student. He was a writer. He was a theologian. He's the one that basically started all the churches that you read about in the New Testament. He wrote 12 or 13 of the letters in the New Testament scripture. He was very, very gifted in many areas. But I know this, if you ask Paul, Paul, what do you do for a living? He would say, I preach. I'm a preacher. And if you go through his writings, you can pick that up. In 1 Corinthians 1.23, he said, we preach Christ crucified. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. 2 Corinthians 4.5, we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ the Lord. Philippians 1.18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Well, you say, Dr. Jeremiah, that's great for you because you're a preacher. Not everybody is called to be a vocational preacher. Did you know that? But everybody's called to be a preacher. We are all called to preach or tell the good news of the gospel. Naomi Reed interviewed an Asian Christian named Risham who told her, I have Parkinson's disease. I can't walk anywhere. I'm mostly in my bed. I can't leave this room. I can't go to church. I can't visit people. And it's such a change for me. She said, I spent my whole adult life sharing the gospel. Back then, I walked through 72 districts of Nepal preaching the gospel. And we started a Bible correspondence course. In total, we had 700,000 students. I was put in jail three times for my faith, and I was tortured. But I can't walk anymore. I can't get out of bed. And the challenge for me today is in reading Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And here's what that says. Him we preach, warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, said Paul, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Rasham continued, I want to be like Paul. I know that he used all of his energy to share the gospel, and I want to do that too. I don't have any energy in my body anymore, but I still have energy in my heart and in my mind. So even now, people can ring me on my phone and they ask me about Jesus and I tell them. I am still taking calls from our Bible correspondence students. I'm still using all my energy, even when I'm lying on my bed, all the energy that Christ has given me, I've given it back to him to advance the cause of Christ. Isn't that the way it should be? So 
basically, a story like that takes all of our excuses away. There's a way that everyone listening to this message, wherever you may be, we all can have a part in preaching the gospel. We can do what God has equipped us to do. He's given us all these various wonderful gifts. Whatever it is that God has equipped you to do that helps move the gospel forward, that's what it means to preach the gospel. So preach the gospel with your lips. Here's the second one. Picture the gospel with your life. In verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2 in Colossians, we read, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Paul said, okay, you're all Christians. Now, live like Christians. Walk like Christians. Don't just be Christians in name. Be Christians all the way through to the bone. Be Christians in all that you do. Oh, how we need that today. One of the great rips on Christianity is that so many people who claim to be Christians don't live any differently than the people in the world. And we don't have to be a bunch of weirdos and cranks and all the kind of things that people think that we are. But there should be a qualitative difference in our lives if Jesus Christ is who we say he is. Walk is a term that is often used to describe the Christian life. The word is in the present tense, and it means continually walking. Someone once told me that the hardest thing about being a Christian is that it's so daily. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? It's so daily. Every day you got to get up and do it over again. But here's the good news. It's daily, but the eternal spirit of God lives within your heart. And he enables you to do what you couldn't do. We preach the gospel with our lips, but we picture the gospel with our lives. People need to see Jesus Christ in us. Charles Spurgeon called this adorning the gospel, dressing up the gospel. Here's what he wrote. What is appropriate to the gospel? Well, holiness suits the gospel. Adorn the gospel with a holy life. How pure, how clean, how sweet, how heavenly the gospel is. Hang, then, the jewels of holiness around your neck and place them as rings on your hands. The gospel is also to be adorned with mercifulness. It is all mercy. It is all love. There is no love like it. God so loved the world. Well, then, adorn the gospel with the suitable jewels of mercifulness and kindness to other people. He went on to say the gospel is also the gospel of happiness. It is called the glorious gospel of the blessed God. A more correct translation would be the happy God. Well then, adorn the gospel by being happy. How many of you know some Christians just look so sad? The Bible says if Christ is in our heart and we have the joy of the Holy Spirit, what's in our heart needs to get translated to our faces. That doesn't mean we walk around all giddy all the time. But when Christians are walking with the Lord, as Paul has instructed us here in Colossians, There's a quality difference in how we live. We are to walk in the Lord as we have received him. We're to preach the gospel with our lips and picture the gospel with our life and practice the gospel with our love. He says in verse 14 of chapter 3 in Colossians, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We have this triumphant gospel But those who share it must be clothed in love and carry in their hearts a genuine burden for their neighbors as much as they do for their enemies. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. You know, one of the things it says about Jesus was that he was filled with grace 
and truth. And it seems to me as you look out at the Christian world today, we have a lot of people who are on either side of it and not as many people who have joined the two together. Jesus said we're to be filled with truth and love. And especially for those of us who are Christians, there are many other instructions for us. But I want to end with a strange little verse at the end of the book. We're to love and we're never to stop loving. Here it is, Colossians 4.17. Paul said, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now that sounds like an extraneous verse. And what's that in there for? Who in the world is Archippus? I never heard of him. Well, first of all, Archippus was the son of Philemon. I know that. Paul called him a fellow soldier. So he had to be a Christian worker of some sort. But that's all we know. We don't know very much about him. But Paul cared enough about this man that he sent this instruction to him in the letter that he wrote to the Colossians. And here was the instruction. Make sure that by the end of your life, you have come to the end of your list. Do everything that you were assigned to do. What a word that is today. We believe Archippus lived his life that way, but Paul encouraged him. I don't want to get off on this. This is one of my pet peeves. That so many of God's people have bought in to the idea that at a certain time in life, usually about 65, you check out and vegetate for the rest of the time you're on this earth. I hope you're not among that. I've already proven to you that I'm not, and I don't intend to be. But listen to me. There's so much that needs to be done, and I'll be one to tell you there's a lot of things that I used to do that I can't do, but a lot of things that I can do better because I've learned how to do them over time. And oftentimes what I've noticed in the church is that just when people have the giftedness that will make them so effective, they decide it's time for them to go do something else. People ask me why I keep doing what I'm doing, and I say, you know, when I was 54, I got cancer, and it was pretty serious. It was stage four, large cell, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. By all of the measures of life, I shouldn't be here. But God brought me through that, and I got a, uh, and he gave me a new vision for my life. And people ask me, why do you do what you do? And I say, when God brought me through cancer, he didn't do it so I could go sit on a beach somewhere. <laughs> he did it so I could serve him with my life. And I've had so much joy doing that. You know, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it seems like that God has saved the best to last for me. Every day I get up, there's something new and exciting that he's doing that I never dreamed would ever happen. I'm glad he let me stay around for all this because it's really fun. I just want you to see if you wouldn't put your name in this verse. Say to David Jeremiah, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Put your name in there and ask God to help you to finish what you have started. Do you know that Jesus, one of the earliest things that we read about him in the Bible is when he went to the temple with his parents, you remember, and his parents left him. <laughs> One of the most human, quintessential things that ever happened in his life. And Jesus, as a young boy, said, I must be about my father's business. In other words, I have a job to do. And at the end of his natural life on this earth, this is what Jesus said. Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now watch what he said and what he didn't say. He didn't say, I have finished all the work there is to do. Some people try to do that and they burn out and they don't have anything left. 
He didn't say that. No, he said, I finished the work that you have given me to do. God gives each of us something to do. If we want to know what that is, we can ask him, and he will tell us, and we will know what we're supposed to do. And he's given you certain gifts for his glory and certain tasks for his kingdom. Make sure you complete them. You don't have to get out of this world alive, but you do have to complete the work that God assigns you. And if we do that, we will see a resurgence of service among the more senior people in our churches that will be a glory to the church and such a blessing to the younger folks who are coming up and trying to figure out what this is all about. Why should we make them learn all the hard lessons that we've learned? Let's help them with that. Let's lead them. The Bible is full of instructions that we're to do that. The apostle Paul said this about his life, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing of the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So friends, the gospel is what God has given us. It's this commodity that we have. It's the blessing of being a Christian. We have this wonderful thing called the gospel. I can think of no one who sought to fulfill this verse more than Billy Graham. He's still preaching and his iconic voice touches my heart and inspires me to be a better preacher. He held more than 400 crusades in his life in more than 185 countries. His final crusade was in New York City in 2005. And this is what he said. I have one message, that Jesus Christ came, he died on a cross, he rose again, and he asked us to repent of our sins and receive him by faith as Lord and Savior. And if we do, we have forgiveness of all our sin. He said that in the first message that he ever preached, and he said it in the last one that he ever preached. He delivered his final sermon in a television broadcast on his 95th birthday. This is what he said. Our country is in a great need of a spiritual awakening. There have been times that I have wept as I have gone from city to city, and I've seen how far our people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there is only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross, the cross of Christ. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of all of your sins. What a testimony to somebody who's coming along after to see a man who started preaching the gospel. He just got stronger and stronger, and he preached the gospel no matter what country he was in, no matter what situation he was in. It was always the gospel. God, help us to be that kind of a pastor and be that kind of a preacher in our churches. Of course, none of us are Billy Graham. He was unique, but we all have the same gospel. (laughs) It doesn't belong to Billy Graham. The gospel is God's gift to all of us. It is the good news of Jesus Christ for you as much as it is for anyone in all the world, and it triumphs all the headlines of history. The gospel is the only beam of light shining in this dark world but its megawatts are unlimited. The gospel can brighten any life, dispel every shadow. We are not beaten down people. We're not on the ropes. We are not an endangered species as Christians. We are not a people worried about where we go from here. We know where we're going because of the gospel. We know him who has prepared the way because of the gospel. We are more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ because of the gospel, the triumph of the gospel. And I hope you've discovered it for yourself. Whatever you're facing, the gospel, because it's Jesus Christ, is your victory. Wherever you're going, he is your guide. However you're feeling, he's your soul and solid hope. Whatever you're worried about by the falling fragments of our collapsing planet, 
you can look up to heaven and see him who came down to earth for you. He's right now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us and waiting for when we come through the door to say to us, welcome home, good and faithful servant. May that be our hope. Amen. Yeah, and that's how I feel about it, too. I want to clap. I I look forward to that moment when we see our Lord. In the meantime, he's called us to faithfully represent him, to teach his word and bring disciples together. And uh, we're doing that with all of our hearts. We're adding stations. We're adding opportunities. We're reaching further. We're trusting God for the resources we need to do the things he calls us to do. And... uh, We keep reminding ourselves that God guides and God provides, and that's how it works. He gives us direction. We follow the direction. He follows along and makes it possible for us to continue our journey. Some of you who are listening and and participating in this program today are uh, results of that. You've come to Christ through Turning Point, and now you listen every day. We meet you all over the country. Thank you for your continued growth in the faith. Don't forget to order your copy of the book, Where Do We Go From Here? And it's yours for the ASCII when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May. And uh, whatever you do, have a great weekend. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with an interview. I hope you'll join us then. Have a great day. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is encouraging you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Tawasson, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Where Do We Go From Here? Plus the bonus resource, Warning Signs of the End Times. They're yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app to instantly access our content or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as Sheila Walsh and Dr. Jeremiah discuss the series, Where Do We Go From Here? on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. The story is told of a violin maker who went to the highest mountains to select trees where the conditions were harshest. He had learned that the brutal conditions produced a quality of grain and resilience in the wood, especially the side of the tree trunk that was facing the wind. 
The harsher the conditions, the more perfect the sound produced by the wood. There is a parallel in the spiritual life. God allows us to be subject to harsh experiences because of how they perfect us. As a violin resonates with beautiful music, so we resonate with humility and trust. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God perfects us as His chosen instruments on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.